tras un día de lucharla, te mereces una recompensa. Una modelo, la marca de los luchadores. Así que sírvete esta dorada y refrescante lager. Porque tú sabes que cuanto más grande sea la lucha, mejor sabrá la recompensa. Pusiste las horas, el esfuerzo, el trabajo duro. Tú eres un luchador y esta cerveza es para ti. Modelo, la marca de los luchadores. Todo con medida importada por Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I am Bryson Carver. Great to be back after a week off. Just took a little time, you know, a little, little R&R, relaxed a little bit, uh, given that they, it was it was a, uh, how, how would I say this, a pretty... Uh, dry week in the world of sports. I know we had training camp. It's kind of, it's been going for the last couple of weeks ever since the Joe Burrow story. Obviously we're still, I think kind of waiting for Damian Lillard, uh, you know, it's like, is Portland going to make the move at some point? But took the last week off. Actually, the, this past weekend went down to Nashville, the capital of this beautiful state of Tennessee, to go see the great Luke Bryan in concert Saturday night. He was spectacular, as one would imagine. Uh, he's dealing with a lot of issues uh, regarding his his voice, but he, 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 he was a trooper. He was able to get through it. Uh, Two-hour show, did a great job uh, given the, the the vocal concerns, vocal uh, troubles that he's going through, so props to him. But we've got a great show tonight. It's going to lead off with James Harden. So I'm just, I, I'm, I'm getting my topics ready for the show, and I see the James Harden topic. I'm like, okay, I've got a lead off. But also going to get into, toward the end of today's show, going to discuss Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant, and Gigi Bryant. God rest both of their souls. We'll be getting a statue in front of the Crypto.com arena. I will give you, to me, what is a very very short list of athletes currently playing. I'm not talking about guys that just retired, your Brady's, your J.J. Watts. I'm talking about guys still playing that I think if they retire today, deserve a statue. And again, you, I can count the list on my hand. I think it's that small. Spoiler alert, no baseball players. Right? Show, show is great, but he's probably going to lose the Angels, so he's probably not going to get a statue uh, You know, in, in on uh, Gene Entry Way, if you will. Going to discuss that later in the show, as well as my Tennessee Vols. I'm, a, I'm an angry Vols fan today. Okay, because we got hosed in the AP top 25, and I will explain why later in today's show. 12th? Come on, man. 12th? That bothered me. Also, Zach Martin today agreeing to restructure his contract with the Dallas Cowboys. This is a, a much needed as an understatement for Dallas, uh, for Jerry Jones, for this offensive line, which is not near as good as some people give it credit for and crucial if Dak and the offense are to be successful this season. Get to that uh, later on today's show. So we got a plethora of things to get into. Also the Russell Wilson uh, conundrum uh, situation in Denver. It doesn't appear to be getting any better, even with Sean Payton, the offensive mastermind that he is. By the way, more on Sean Payton later on the uh, in the show. James Harden wants out of Philadelphia. He's made that pretty clear. Uh, he he had a quote today. He's in China right now. And he said, quote, Daryl Morey, general manager of the 76ers, as well as general manager of the Houston Rockets, when James Harden spent his time in Houston. Quote, Daryl Morey is a liar. And I will never be part of an organization that he's a part of. Interesting. So he's saying, I'm, you know, I, I'm done with James Harden because we know that talks between the Sixers and the Clippers who Harden reportedly wants to go to have stalled. 
The Clippers don't think uh, Philadelphia is giving up, uh, or if the Clippers don't want to give up a crazy package to get an aging player, uh, a guy who's not even an all-star caliber guy at this stage of his career going to year 15, and let's just say he's not aged quite as well as his draft contemporary Steph Curry, or heck, even his other draft contemporary, DeMar DeRozan. Sure, he's accomplished more than DeRozan, but if you had to give me a choice between the two, oh, I'm taking DeMar in a heartbeat. But that's another discussion for another show. Point being, it's time we start to come to the realization about you know who James Harden is, and you know when I talk on my show about athletes, especially when you're when you're you're criticizing athletes or if you're praising athletes, oftentimes you get into the space where you got to walk a very fine line in terms of how you criticize them uh, in terms of their game and their approach because that can often be a personal attack or a personal praise in some regard. So you got to walk a fine line and saying like, hey, I don't dislike them as a human being. I don't know them as a human being. They may be a terrible person. They may be a great person. Overwhelmingly, so I think sports has provided us with some pretty good people. I think you're, I think your Antonio Browns are are few and far between. I think we we give we give far too much press, far too much attention to those guys, and sometimes we can tend to ignore the good stuff that these athletes are doing off the field in their communities, etc. And I'm, by the way, not saying that James Harden is a bad person. James Harden himself has done some good stuff in the community, so I'm not going to attack him in that regard whatsoever. It does bother me, though, when we lump guys like Kevin Durant, for example, who has made a few poor choices in his career in terms of jumping the Golden State Warriors, the well-run operation that that is for the Brooklyn Nets. And then, obviously, he ends up in Phoenix. You know, it's like I talked about Dr. J a couple weeks ago. He's saying, oh, these superstars going from team to team to team. And I'm, I must I must admit, the great, the great, Dr. Julius Irving uh, was kind of a salty interview a couple weeks ago where he was talking about the he has top 10 players all time. He didn't have LeBron in there. He had a tiny Archibald in his top 10. That's neither here nor there. But he's talking about all these guys like Kevin Durant, for example, named, you know, referred to Durant by name, jumping from team to team. I hate it when guys like KD or Paul George are lumped into the same category as James Harden. Because quite simply, folks, they're not even comparable. James Harden was the sixth man on a Oklahoma City team, obviously built from the ground up, drafted KD in 07, Westbrook in 08, Harden in 09. Put together a nice little young trio that got to the conference finals in 2011, got to the NBA finals in 2012. And because Oklahoma City didn't want to pay a luxury tax, they traded James Harden to the Houston Rockets, and of course, we know what James did there for the better part of seven years. Won an MVP, was the finals numerous other years for MVP, got him to a couple Western Conference finals, and a very successful tenure short of winning a championship, obviously, in Houston, or even getting to an NBA Finals. But then you have the situation where he's, he's frustrated with the future of the organization. You could say, look, you know what? He gave seven great years to Houston. Sure, he's in the middle of his contract. You don't love guys asking out of their deal. If they're in a relatively well-run franchise, with the, I, I consider the Houston Rockets to be, I mean, they, they tend to be very competitive. I think they've drafted well. I think they've got their, their head coach now with Ime Odoka. So Houston's going to be back you know, in the mix in the next few years. But if you feel like your time there has is, is kind of come to a close, that's okay. How he went about it, however, was a different story. Taking shots at the front office, taking shots at his teammates, uh, gaining serious weight. Until finally the Houston Rockets a month into the season got to the point where they say, okay, it, this this just can't work anymore. We can't coexist peacefully at this stage. So we're going to trade you to the Brooklyn Nets with Kyrie and KD. Obviously, you play with Kevin Durant in Oklahoma City. 
that that blows to smithereens. One year later, he leaves. He asks for a trade out of Brooklyn, goes to Philly. And then you have the situation where he's unhappy with his contract with Philadelphia. Last offseason, wants a max deal. And instead takes a pay cut. And I remember talking about on this show last year, like, wow, this is kind of a new James Harden. You're seeing videos of him in the gym, somewhat at least appearing to take a little bit of care of his body, finally, and not just relying on pure skill and athleticism. Taking care of his body, taking a pay cut. It's like, is James Harden changing for the better? Let's see. Had a solid season. Average 21. And of course, along with his teammate, Joel Embiid folded in the playoffs as Philadelphia and those two tend to do. And then you have a situation now. He's like, no, I want to fill out of Philly now. At this point, it's, we have to accept James for who he is. He's the first bout Hall of Famer. He's an MVP. But he's one of those dudes where he doesn't get how to win basketball games, how to win championships. You say, well, Bryson, that's, what do you mean by that? Like, is there any quantifiable uh, way to, to, to measure that? Sure. Based on tangibles. Again, we talk about winning championships, competing for championships. Comes down to culture. Comes down to chemistry. Comes down to coaching. Comes down to obviously having at least one superstar, if not two, on your team. At least a star is your second guy. Like Jamal Murray in Denver. Not a superstar, but he's a star. Jokic is a super-duper star. Probably the best player in basketball at this point. Have we gotten to a point with James where was he ever even at his peak? I'm talking 2017-18. He's he had that long streak of 30-point games row in the 2018-19 season. In the MVP race year in and year out. Did we misinterpret who he was from the very beginning? I remember, and I'll talk about Kobe later in the show. The late great Kobe Bryant once said he was talking about James when he was in the midst of this crazy scoring streak. And Kobe said, yeah, it's, it looks good for stats. It's going to get you a shoe deal. Obviously, he was with Adidas for a long time. James Harden was. But that style can't win you championships. Ask Kobe Bryant. He did too. He did play that style in part by necessity with the Lakers until they got Pau Gasol, until they brought Phil Jackson back. And all of a sudden, he's playing a more team-branded basketball. They get to three straight finals, win the last two. And Kobe wins back-to-back finals MVPs. The one-on-one ISO-style basketball, I've been saying this for years on this show, does not work if you're trying to win a title. It doesn't. Name the last instance of a player. You say, well, Michael Jordan. Yeah, Michael Jordan was a great one-on-one player. One of the best we've ever seen. But that triangle offense didn't hurt. I'm not saying that the offense made Michael. Michael Jordan was still a menace before the... The, uh, the, the, the triangle offense came in with Phil Jackson and Tex Winter. He became a champion through it. That's the difference. It's the ability to trust your teammates. And by the way, it ain't like James Harden hadn't had his share of incredible teammates. He had a young Kevin Durant in Oklahoma City. Not the biggest Westbrook guy, but Westbrook was still a very productive player at that stage of his career. By the way, he got Westbrook again in Houston down the road. Got a still in his prime, Chris Paul. In Brooklyn, got Katie again. Got a prime, Kyrie Irving. In Philadelphia, he's got the MVP of the league. There's not the trust there. There's not the camaraderie. There's not. There's the inability to change your game 
in order to benefit the greater good of the basketball team. That is James Harden. If I'm the Clippers, who have historically been as poorly run organizations as we've seen, although I have defended their ownership in Steve Ballmer, I think Steve Ballmer is a very good owner. Uh, certainly better than the previous owner, Donald Sterling. It's a fairly re- well-run front office. Jerry West, the greatest executive of all time, is in that front office. It's not worth it. Listen, I don't see the Clippers winning a championship or even compete for a championship in the weaker Western Conference this year. But it's not worth selling off all your assets to get an aging player who we've shown increasingly is kind of set in his own ways and isn't going to change for anybody. It's as simple as that. You can argue James Harden is, to a certain extent, Cam Newton. Remember Cam Newton's peak? He was Superman. He was winning the MVP. Got, got the Carolina Panthers to a Super Bowl. Was a great player. But he never got the accuracy right. The intangibles were always questionable. And he played a brand of football that eventually he took a beating and was never the same player toward the end of his career. Harden obviously plays a far less physical sport. But... There's the old saying about how your body will treat you, how you treat it. James Harden had to treat his body the greatest thing, it's fair to say. Coming into training camp year in and year out out of shape. The strip clubs, the gaining a substantial amount of weight his last year in Houston in order to force his way out. That's why I don't like the comparison in terms of, of changing teams of James Harden to a Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant left Oklahoma City, went to a better situation as any smart business person would do, any smart individual. If you've got a better opportunity, they want you. They're going to pay you a lot of money. You're going to be very successful. You're going to get the best out of yourself. Why the heck wouldn't you leave? And he did. He was very successful. Won two championships, two finals MVPs. He said, okay, I'm done with this challenge. Let's move on to the next. The problem is the next challenge he decided to go after was one that was frankly never going to work because of who he teamed up with and the organization for which he played for. And so he said, okay, I'm going to course correct. I want to go to Phoenix or Miami. And I talked about, and I praised Katie for this last offseason where he understood, hey, I can be the best player on a championship team. Kevin Durant's that level of players. Top, he's one of the five greatest basketball players on earth. But he's not going to be the guy to lead your team to a championship. That's the difference. James Harden. Forget for his prime, he could have never been the best player in the title team. He had a Golden State Warriors team that had some internal stuff going on in the locker room all season, down 3 2, with Steph being up and down the series, KD being up and down, Clay on the ropes, a game seven in your home building with a 15 point lead. Disappeared. 2019, you have the 3 2. Deficit to Golden State, but with no Kevin Durant, Steph goes scoreless in the first half, and Golden State comes back to win. And again, not all of this is just Golden State dominance. Some of it is Harden leaving the door open and a dynasty taking advantage. The Lakers did in 20, the Bucks did in 21, the Heat did in 22, and the Celtics did in 23. That is James Harden. Whether you want to accept it or not, that's who he is. And it's who he's always been. Got a comment here? Let's see. John Rivera. What's up, John? John, he says, Mama, there goes that man again. Let me just say this, uh, John, John, to the audience. I'm so going to miss that. (laughs) Hearing NBA games this year from Mark Jackson. Mama, there goes that man. I'm going to miss that so much. God, I love that saying. 
Shout out to Mark Jackson. But I appreciate the love, John John. You're 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 the man. Uh and I obviously everybody feel free to to chime in the comment section. It's it's just it's 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 mind-boggling that organization after organization continues to uh, believe that this guy is like the missing piece to title contention. He's not. He's not. The, the fact of the matter is, and you think about Brooklyn too. And I was of the mindset that, hey, this this Harden trade was made. Maybe Brooklyn can can win the East. Now, I wasn't, if you look back at history, I wasn't as big on that as others were. I didn't think it was compared, uh, you know, comparable to the 2010s Warriors with KD or the the Heatles with Braun, Wade, and Bosch. That's that's kind of who he is. I mean, I, I even saw this tweet, and I, I want to give credit to who tweeted this. Uh, Yaron Weitzman, I think is how you say his name. Uh, th- this this tweet kind of says it all for me, okay? This is what he said. I remain baffled by Harden's strategy these past few years. One, turns down max extension from the Nets. Two, takes pay cut to re-sign with the Sixers. Says it's all about winning, then spends the season hinting at his unhappiness in Philly. Three, Ask for a max deal from the Sixers. When he doesn't get it, he decides he's done in Philly, but still opts into his contract. Demands trade to LA Clippers, but completely misreached trade landscape. Five, uh, sorry, uh, four, makes a statement, uh, which seems to be him saying he believed he had an illegal wink-wink deal with the Sixers. Obviously, the Sixers deny being this being the case. Even if he's right and the Sixers are lying, would admitting to illegal salary cap maneuver really be the way to go? That's the question. What is What is he trying to accomplish? I mean, it, at this point, it's the people like, oh, he's just trying to join the best team possible. He had a contender in Houston. He had a borderline contender in Brooklyn. He's got the MVP in Philly. And again, and I've been, I think I've been one of the very few that's been willing to point this out. A lot of Philly struggles the playoffs the last couple of years have not just been Harden's playoff history or Doc Rivers. Some of that's on, on, on Embiid. At some point, the MVP's got to take a little bit of the blame because God only knows we would be killing Steph or LeBron or some of these guys if they had the playoff shortcomings of a Joel Embiid. That's why I always say he's outside of the top five because we don't expect from him what we expect from those other guys, from a Giannis, from a Jokic, from a Steph, like those guys. So, but this is who Harden is. Why organizations, it's kind of a similar situation with Kyrie Irving where why these organizations, and you say talent outweighs, and I would take Kyrie, from a talent perspective, I'd take Kyrie over Harden. From a from a locker room guy, it's kind of equal footing. Uh, there's substantial evidence. I, I'd probably take Harden by an inch, but with Kyrie, you know, the, you have the all these teams where he's there's there's been evidence of, you know, he struggles, or the team struggles rather. I mean, get the, the Dallas Mavericks in the four seed. Kyrie joins, and they're a disaster the second half of the season. So, um, but it's mind-blowing to me. It truly is. What isn't mind-blowing but is concerning to a certain degree? And it is the preseason. I don't want to overreact. There's, Listen, week one in the NFL is today is August 14th, so we got about three and a half weeks till the NFL season starts. I can't freaking wait. But I always say there's two big overreaction Mondays in the NFL. The Monday after week one and the Monday after the Super Bowl. Because the next day, the team wins. Oh, we're going to the Super Bowl. Or in this case, uh, if a team wins the Super Bowl, oh, they're going to be the next dynasty. They're they're going to win the next. Uh, they're going to win five straight. And then if the teams that lose week one, oh my God, they might not win a game this season. Or if you lose the Super Bowl, oh, he can't coach. He's a bad quarterback. This doesn't work. That it's like well, evidently something worked because he got to the Super Bowl. Something worked out. But 
again, I don't want to overreact too much to a preseason game because it is, uh, well, the games don't mean anything. They don't count at all. But as we've grown accustomed to for the past half decade, starters typically don't play. They just don't. I think Sean McVay sort of changed the whole landscape of the NFL when five years ago he does he says, you know what, I'm not gonna play any of my starters, any snaps the preseason, and the Rams start, what was it that were they seven and oh, eight and oh, got to the Super Bowl that season, and other teams looked at that like, well, it worked for them. They're a talented team, they're well coached, and got to the Super Bowl, came pretty close to winning it. Let's try it out. And only a, a select few coaches still really play their starters. Mike Tomlin played his starters. By the way, did you see Kenny Pickett and, and George Pickens? I know it's against Tampa Bay, but Lord have mercy. Those, those two look good. Those two look good. Breakout season for Kenny Pickett. I'm just telling you right now. Anyways, so I watched a lot of preseason games. The Packers-Bengals game is interesting. Jordan Love looks solid. I think that a lot of that was more offensive line from Green Bay. Uh, yeah, I, I watched, again, I don't think any of the rookie quarterbacks looked all that great. Some of that, again, was offensive line troubles, but you had Bryce Young and, and Richardson and Will Levis threw a bad pick at the end of the Titans game. A number of rookie quarterbacks who, who, who struggled a bit. But I played paid close attention to Broncos-Cardinals, and that was on Friday night. Broncos-Cardinals. Let's ride. Um, and there was this whole thing about, hey, Sean Payton comes to Denver. He's this offensive mastermind, future Hall of Fame head coach, really helped turn the career around of a future Hall of Fame quarterback in Drew Brees. Joins Denver, a team coming off of a disappointing is the understatement of the day season with Nat Hackett as the head coach. Russell Wilson comes in. We assume he's going to take the Broncos. I, 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 had the, I was the idiot in the room who had them go, going on to the Super Bowl and winning the darn thing. But many thought, hey, this is a playoff team. If Kansas City's a team to beat in the AFC West, Denver's like, like, you know, number two. Maybe they compete with the Chargers for that spot, make the playoffs. And obviously, it ended up being a disaster. And Russ had a horrendous season. Arguably, is the worst quarterback in football. But now you have Sean Payton. So, how does this work? Well, first preseason game against the Arizona Cardinals, who I'm going to listen, I'm going to save my all of my preseason predictions or my regular season and postseason predictions for a few weeks from now when I do my show at that point, when I make all my NFL predictions for the year. I'm not sure the Cardinals are going to win a game this year, and I'm dead serious when I say that. I don't love the head coach hiring of, of Gannon. Uh, Kyler's out. You have Colt McCoy quarterback. The roster is an absolute shambles. Frankly, it benefits them to tank to, so they could get one of the more talented quarterbacks we've seen in Caleb Williams. He's a generational talent at that position. So you have that team playing its second and third stringers. And here's how the drives went for the Denver Broncos on Friday night. Three and out, punt. Five plays after an interception. They don't gain a whole lot of ground. Missed field goal. Put together a decent drive. Another missed field goal. And finally, they put together one drive at the end. Russell threw that pass to, uh, to Judy for the touchdown. And then Sean Payton took the starters out. So... If you're a Broncos fan, the optimistic way to look at it is, hey, got up to a shaky start. And by the way, for the record, if and listen, you look, look at Russ's numbers, the pass ring's pretty good. Pass ring's over 100, but 7 for 13, barely over 50%, 93 yards, a touchdown, no turnovers. And in fairness to Russell, he didn't get the benefit of the doubt on, uh, or I should say the benefit of the doubt, he didn't get the benefit of the player with a couple drops. He had a little shovel pass that was dropped by the running back. And then the play before the touchdown to Judy had a pass go right, perfect throw goes right through Judy's hands. Those happened, uh, but you know, in fairness, that wasn't, that wasn't on Russell. 
An optimist, uh, optimist would say, hey, I mean, you got better and better. Every drive, you go from three and out to, you, you know, you get a first down, miss field goal. To the next drive, you get in a field goal range again. Nice little drive, but you miss. And the last drive, you really put some together and you finally cash in the end zone. Way I view it is, Sean Payton uh, had to play Russell Wilson throughout the course of this preseason game uh, into the second quarter, midway through the second quarter. This wasn't a thing that they they planned to do. I'm sure if Sean Payton had his way, Denver goes right down the field, first drive, scores a touchdown, he'd take his starters out. Maybe put him in for another drive, who knows. That's what, that's what Reed did with Patrick Mahomes yesterday against the Saints. Took a four-drive score against the Cardinals. Again, probably the worst team in football against their second and third stringers. I think that's at least a little cause for concern and opens up the bigger question. Maybe not today, but certainly in the future, if this continues for Denver, is Russell washed? Like, is he really, what I talked about last year, like, is he really, this is it. Have we seen the best of Russ? Let's 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 put that aside. Have we seen the last of a competent Russ? Can even Sean Payton not fix this guy? That's the question. And I also think there's a to, with in Sean Payton's uh, culture now in Denver. There's a certain level of you know you, when you, when you go out with that person and they're very outgoing. You date him for a couple of years. And after a while, they almost get too outgoing. Maybe you have some you have some issues that come with that, and you break up with them. And then you end up with somebody else who's almost too reserved for you, and you overcorrect it. I almost wonder if Sean Payton hasn't done the same because last year we heard the reports that Russell had his own office in Denver, which is even for Tom Brady and Mahomes, that's like unheard of for quarterbacks. He's got his own office. There's some locker room issues. It's kind of loose, not a whole lot of discipline. The coach doesn't know clock management. It's just kind of a disaster. It's a mess. Well, Sean Payton should come in looking to establish culture. Absolutely. But he has a, a set of listed rules for the Broncos during the preseason when the starters are pulled out. Here are the rules. First, no uniforms off after you're done playing. Number two, no sunglasses. Well, you want to protect your eyes, I would think. Number three, this feels like a shot at Joe Burrow. <laughs> no bucket hats. And number four, no interviews during the game. And the funny thing is, <laughs> the funny thing is, Garrett Wilson of the Jets, we know that there's some history with Sean Payton and the Jets taking a shot at Nat Hackett, who's the Jets OC. Garrett Wilson of the Jets broke all of those rules the other day in an interview. He did an interview, wore a bucket hat with glasses on, with his uniform off. It's like, man, I cannot, week five can't get here soon enough when those two play in the mile high. That's going to be fun. But I'm seeing this, and it's like, is there is was there too much of an overcorrection in terms of, yes, you're trying to build a culture, but you also, and Sean Payton, the funny thing is, he's not known, at least from what I've read, as a Belichickian, you know, just show up, do your job, go home. Like, there's like no fun allowed, basically. That's, I mean, we, we saw back in the day in New Orleans, after the Saints win games, I mean, the, the, the locker room looked like a freaking nightclub. They'd shut the lights off and, and and get a big you know boom box and and blast music throughout the locker room. It was, it was awesome. They, I mean, I even saw some smoke in there. They, they, they like uh, you know, they, 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 it was it was lit. It was great. 
has he gone too far in the other direction in Denver? That's the question. So th- this whole experiment with Russ is going to be interesting to watch. By the way, Denver, if you look at their next couple of preseason games, you assume that Russell and the offense are going to play at San Francisco this Saturday. And then the Saturday after that, they get a home preseason game against the Los Angeles Rams probably play that last preseason game just because it's two weeks uh, before the opener opener when Denver hosts uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. But listen, there's a slew of teams. Again, we, again, like I said, I'll do my predictions a few weeks from now. I'm kind of putting them together at the moment, but there's our guaranteed playoff teams, not going to win barring injury or in the case of like the Cincinnati Bengals further injury. Cincinnati's going to make the playoffs. Kansas City's going to make the playoffs. Este es el mejor momento para preparar tu hogar para las fiestas y recibir a los invitados. Porque en The Home Depot encuentras ahorros de hasta 40% en baños seleccionados por Internet. Además de entrega gratis en todos los tocadores y grifos por Internet. Deja tu casa lista para esas visitas esperadas. Familia, amigos, vecinos y las inesperadas. Deja tu baño listo para las fiestas con ahorros de hasta 40% en tocadores y grifos en The Home Depot. Haces más, logras más. You know, Jacksonville's going to make the playoffs because they're in a horrible division. They've got a great ascending quarterback. NFC, Philly's going to get in. Niners going to get in. Like, we, we have kind of our shoe-in teams. Denver's one of those, those teams. That they're, not, they're not beating Kansas City for the division. They haven't beaten Kansas City since the 2015 season, since the Obama administration. It's been that long. Week 2, 2015. I remember that game. Peyton Manning played in it. That's how long it's been. So not beating Kansas City for the West, but they can absolutely, they certainly have the talent and you would think had they had the coach to compete for one of those three wildcard spots in an AFC that is just loaded with great quarterbacks, even good quarterbacks. I don't know. It, 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 it could have been a better showing against, of all teams, the Arizona Cardinals. That's all I'm saying. Now, I don't think it's panic mode. There's no need to panic today. It's just week one of the preseason. They could still, but you figure with, with OTAs, with training camp, that it'd be a little bit more buttoned up than this, a little less uh, disorganized to a certain extent. When that looked, I mean, Denver's offensive line didn't look good. I don't know. And I know McGlinchey's out, so that's that's part of the issue. But, man, that that does, they didn't look great. Uh, Philip Schnell, what's up, Philip? He says, Broncos country, let's ride. Yeah, by the way, Philip's been a big, uh, you know, Russell Wilson defender. Like, hey, let's not judge him off one bad season. That's fair. Especially when you do have a great young coach, not great young coach, but a great offensive coach, Hall of Fame level guy in Sean Payton coming in after what was a disastrous tenure for Nat Hackett. But not again, not the greatest showing right off the bat. And John Rivera, Russell too busy making kids. Yeah, I saw that uh, Russell and Sierra expecting, uh, I think it's, is it their third child together? So congrats to to the Wilsons. But yeah, he's, listen, he's 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 busy doing other things. Let's put it that way. But hey, again, not the greatest showing. But I will say, again, maybe some of this is just my psychopathic craving for football of any kind. But I, I can honestly say I don't think I've ever watched more preseason than I did the last few days, honestly. Uh, just because you you want to see the rookie quarterbacks, you want to see some of these you know, new coaches coming in, and what's their system. Again, the game plans are going to be pretty vanilla. But I actually thought Dallas looked solid. About to get into the Cowboys in just a second with Zach Martin. Uh, and they they did lose to Jacksonville. By the way, that Jacksonville backup made the play probably of the preseason, unless somebody else does something crazier over the next couple of weeks, uh, where he's looks like he's going to get sacked four times in the play and then throws a dot down the right sideline for the touchdown. It was a beautiful play. Um, 
let's see what preseason games did I not watch. Didn't watch Falcons, Dolphins. Uh, didn't watch Seahawks, Vikings, Giants, Lions. Didn't watch that. Commanders, Browns. Uh, but yeah, I, I watched Titans, Bears. That was interesting. Justin Fields looked good. Uh, I watched Bills, Colts, Demar Hamlin. Seeing back out there was awesome. Want to see Anthony Richardson? You know, threw an interception. Didn't look all that great. Uh, Jets, Panthers. Zach Wilson looked solid. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm not gonna lie to you. He look, it looks solid again. Am I willing to say, hey, he's turned his career around? Like once this Aaron Rodgers tenure for the next two years or so is over, Zach's their guy. Not one to get on there yet after some preseason action because I think the last couple of years, I don't know if he could have possibly looked any worse. But again, it's a develop it's a developmental process. Maybe Aaron Rodgers helps the kid a little bit. Uh, I did watch Chiefs Saints yesterday and Niners Raiders. Only all the thing I saw was was Trey Lance playing, and he. It looks so great. My Trey Lance take from two years, two and a half years ago is looking worse and worse by the day. But in fairness, so my Mac Jones take is is on the other spectrum looking pretty darn good. So is my Trevor Lawrence take. But let's talk Cowboys because I know we're not talking Zeke to the Patriots. I don't really, I'm not, I'm not up in arms about a backup signing with the New England Patriots, uh, who's pretty much lost his fastball as 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 a back. Uh but Dallas might have saved their season to an extent today by agreeing to a restructured contract or them and Zach Martin agreeing to a restructured contract that's going to pay him around $18 million this year and next year. He was initially going to make 13 mil this year, 14 mil next year, which would have put him just barely on the brink of the top 10 highest paid guards in the NFL. And Zach Martin, I think it's fair to say, worst case scenario is the second best card to Quentin Nelson. I think he's the best. I think I would still give Zach Martin the slight edge over, uh, edge over Quentin Nelson, who's still a monster. We understand that. When this whole holdout was happening, I'm watching. I'm saying this this has to be the easiest decision in the history of decisions, like you see on those uh, on those commercials. Who, who is it that does that? The uh, was it uh, Capital One? Capital. By the way, Capital One does not sponsor this show. <laughs> just for the record, but the easiest decision in the history of decisions. To quote them, like. This is a six-time All-Pro, a guy who is still in his prime, by the way, on an offensive line that is either aging, Tyron Smith, or not near as good as people give them credit for being. Keep in mind, and they play better at the end of the season, and you hope if you're a Cowboys fan, you can carry that into week one against the Giants and beyond that. The Dallas Cowboys offensive line. Was Zach Martin there? Zach is still, again, all pro last year. He's still a tremendous player. Second best player on the team to Micah Parsons. The Cowboys offensive line was bottom five in the NFL in pass block win rate. Translation, Dak Prescott and briefly Cooper Rush were running for their lives with this offensive line in front of them. Some of that is you had some rookies. You had some backups stepping in from time to time. You had guys come off injury, like Tyron Smith, Terrence Steele. Certainly, you hope the continuity will be better this go-around. But you had to bring Zach Martin back. I, I think it was, what's the kid's name? Ball, I think was his backup, who reports said was looking pretty rough at training camp. You absolutely had to bring Zach Martin back, especially after the fact you just paid St uh, Trayvon Diggs, Dak Prescott is reportedly working on a contract extension, which as a Dak guy just made me just sad. It's like, Dak, just play these last two years and get the heck out of there. Get out of there, Dak. Jeez, I've been saying this for years. But it looks like he's probably going to stay with the Dallas Cowboys long-term. It is what it is. CeeDee Lamb's going to want a contract extension. And most importantly, Micah Parsons is going to want a big old slice, to use a Jerry Jones quote, a big old slice of that pie. 
he's going to get a big one. I mean, Nick Bosa is eventually, surely to goodness, going to get a deal with the 49ers at some point. So what's what's Micah going to get when he comes down the pipeline a year from now, assuming he has a, a, another great year, stays healthy, is in the defensive player of the year running once again? It's a lot of mouths to feed. Again, I would have rather paid CeeDee Lamb, obviously got a deal done with Dak, kept Zach Martin. Again, this restructure, I think, is, is, is a great meet in the middle. Right, it wasn't. They didn't agree to a long-term extension, which would have carried Zach Martin well into his thirties. He gets the pay. He gets the uh, the pay raise that he wanted, but also Dallas doesn't have to necessarily give him the crazy long-term security that he may may not have wanted. Wanted, but you have to pay Micah Parsons. That's a given. I think you kind of have to pay Ceedee Lamb, given where the wide receiver core is today, and you certainly have to pay Dak Prescott because you can go nowhere in this league if you don't have a a bare minimum, a good quarterback. I think Dak is on the fringe of great. He's the eighth best quarterback in the league, in my opinion. Trayvon's the guy I would have said, I can let you walk. Of those guys, Trayvon's the guy. He's the least important of those four, or those five if you include Zach Martin. But I was thinking, though, today about Dallas, or over the, the, the weekend. Not while I was seeing Luke Bryan, by the way. Shout out to Luke Bryan. I hate that he's a Georgia fan, though. That's my only beef with him was thinking about Dallas, and it kind of just hit me. It's, I have a feeling that this season isn't going to look like the last two where Dallas wins 12 games. They have a great offense. You know, Mike McCarthy is sort of like in and out of the hot seat. They have a couple losses where the whole country's freaking out because it's the Cowboys. And they lost that big Fox game to, to uh, you know, to Philadelphia, or they lost the Sunday night game to the 49ers, and the sky is falling. And then they win a playoff game, losing the divisional round. I have a feeling for Dallas, this year's either going to be, by their standards, a resounding success or a colossal failure. And by failure, I'm not meaning winning 12 games, getting to the playoffs, even winning a playoff game like they did a year ago. I'm talking nine and eight. You're in the playoff hunt, kind of, but you end up losing, like, say you lose to Washington at the end of the year, or you lose that game to Detroit, who they play in Week 17. I think Detroit's going to the NFC Championship game. Uh, you could have a situation like that. I feel like for a lot of guys in Dallas, this is kind of make or break. It probably shouldn't be, because frankly put, I don't think the roster can stack up next to Philadelphia and San Francisco. But on the bright side of things, you look at Dak Prescott, you say, Dang, last year Dak was healthy. He was incredible. 4,500 yards, 37 touchdowns, only 10 interceptions. Again, we talk about the interception problem with Dak, which I've always said that what you saw last year, that's not Dak. 2021 is what you saw with Dak. Now, again, wide receiving core, Amari Cooper, Cedric Wilson no longer on the team, but CeeDee Lamb has gotten better as a receiver. Brandon Cooks, knock on wood for him for however, however long you have him healthy. He can be productive for you. Michael Gallup should be healthy this go-around. The receiving core certainly isn't anything to just go nuts about, but it is good. Like, it's a good receiving core. Tight end situation, a little dicey. It's not exactly what they have in Philly or San Francisco. Again, those are the teams in Detroit you're going to have to go through. I don't know. It's just we, we have these expectations for the Cowboys year in and year out, and I've historically been a guy, I'll believe it when I see it, like, I, I'll believe this team can have any sort of success, get to a conference championship game when I see it. But this feels like NFC title game for Dallas or missing the playoffs. I actually don't think there's an in-between. 
because you hear the Cowboys reporters and you, always every year you, you're, you're like, not, I'm not throwing off the reporters, by the way, they do, they do a great job. But you hear every year Jerry Jones doing a State of the Union speech for the Cowboys. And, you know, this is the most talented team we've had since the 90s. And we're going to go on this run. And I'll tell you, uh, Mike, Mike McCarthy is, is the next, the second coming of Landry. And, and Dax, the second coming of Roger Staubach. And here we go. And then they tend to fall flat on their face in the playoffs. You're hearing more against Jerry's had some quotes from here to there where it's like, okay, here goes Jerry again. But... Jerry seems a little more subdued. And frankly, I don't think that's just because he all of a sudden dropped his expectations. I think it's, it's because of the fact Jerry's like, I just turned 80 not too long ago. I don't have a whole lot longer left here. I have got to win a Super Bowl. And it's sort of, if this is the, maybe Jerry, maybe, just maybe, Jerry came to some sort of realization. Like, I'll give the media the occasional quote because that's what I'm here for. I am Jerry Jones. But also, if we lose this year, if we don't accomplish what I hope we can, it's not because I, I, I stepped in the way or put my foot in my mouth or caused distractions that, frankly, there didn't need to be. There seems to be a different vibe. And not and it's, it's almost like a, okay, this is put up or shut up time. This isn't, okay, here we go. We're going to win the Super Bowl this year. We're going to play off the moment of last year. It's like, okay, do it or, you know, what did Yoda say in The Empire Strikes Back? Do or do not. There is no try. That was my best Yoda. I'm sorry. That was terrible. But that's what he said, right? It's sort of, are you going to do it or not? Are you going to get to a conference title game or are you going to fall flat in your face in the wild card divisional round? I'm just, I don't know. I, I, I feel I'm probably going to end up picking Dallas to either go 9-8, and eight, maybe even 8-9, and nine, or like 13-4 and four and get to the conference title game. Like that's that's why I think this, the, the, Dak's capable of getting them there given the state of the NFC. But also, again, I can't put a finger. You can usually tell the vibe of organizations like Washington. And you had that whole controversy with Ron Rivera going at, or I should say going at, but putting Eric Bieniemy in a really bad spot, kind of publicly, I don't even know if he meant to diss him, but he certainly sounded like he dissed in the media. It's about, oh, he's too hard on the players. He yells at players. It's like, yeah, he's a football coach. Of course he yells at players. Now, if he like disrespects them or if he, you know, he's like going all Urban Meyer kicking kickers, that's a whole different thing. But, like, you you sort of sense the vibe, like, around the Niners, for example. It's, we can win the Super Bowl. Just pray to God our quarterback stays healthy, you know? Philadelphia, it's, we're going to get revenge off of last year. We're going to win it this year. Kansas City, back-to-back. Cincinnati, if Burrow's healthy, we're going to get back at Kansas City like we did a couple of years ago. Buffalo, can Josh Allen bounce back? You sort of get the vibe around these organizations, certainly this time of year. For Dallas, it, it is really this simple. Put up or shut up. You know, actually, you know what? Put that aside because I, I I've used that term to describe the Blazers and Heat sort of situation with Damian Lillard. Does he move on or not to to Miami? It sort of seems like a formality at this point, but uh, you know, you 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 have this. It does seem like it's going to end anytime soon. We'll see. But again, I'm going to call this I'm going to call this the Yoda season because that's my favorite Yoda. Yoda has so many great quotes, but that's that's my favorite quote. Do or do not. There is no try. I'll try and patch up the impression uh, in the future. Yeah, that's what I'm rolling with. This is the Yoda season for the Cowboys. Do or do not. That's what I feel like it is for the Cowboys. Anything in between, it's sort of like we're back to square one. I don't know. It's a weird season for Dallas. 
Let's see. Philip is in the comments. He says, now, I don't know if you watched the Cowboys preseason game, but Deuce Vaughn, yes, sir, really sparked my eyes. I really liked what I saw from him. And another one is John Stevens Jr., the tight end, looked good. Uh, yes, he, Stevens looked good. I liked what I saw from Deuce Vaughn. Uh, Dallas is, according to, to McCarthy, according to some of the reports there, they really looking to use him in a shocker, shocker, like a Darren Sproles type role, like Darren Sproles was with the Chargers and with the Eagles, which makes sense given the fact that he's he's 5'5". Five, five. He's very, I mean, he looks like a child on the field. It's kind of, it's like nuts to see him next to like an offensive lineman, but he is shifty. By the way, he doesn't care for a little bit of contact. Like he's a nice player. He's a good backup for Tony Pollard. So this, the, you know, that, that, that could work, especially, listen, Pollard's coming off an injury. Yeah, he, he could be a, a great asset for their offense. Philip, let me just say, I'm so happy Zach Martin and Jerry chose to get a deal done. He is the glue to that offense, 100%. 100%. And listen, is he the player he was in 2018? Probably not, but he's still, again, I think absolute worst case. He was just a first-team All-Pro last year. He's still a great player. I, I don't know if he was first-team, but he was an All-Pro last year. He's still a great player. I think he's the second-best player on the Cowboys. Had to get that deal done. Had to. And Phillips says, I don't see us missing the playoffs unless we get riddled with injuries. The NFC is not good this year. I say we get the five seed again and face the winner of the NFC South, then get bounced by the Niners. Again, that 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 sounds to me like get the five seed, beat the Saints in New Orleans, lose to San Francisco again. But I, I don't know. It, it's, again, barring injuries, like you said, uh, th this, th this sort of feels a little different, and I'm not sure if it's good or bad different. Like, it's a... There's a lot of cautious optimism in Dallas, which is very strange for them because they're often the all hype and then they never back it up. They're the politician that over promises and under delivers. I don't know. It, it's, it's odd. It, it's an odd feeling in Dallas, but I will say this because I've been a harsh critic of Kellen Moore for a long time. Uh, obviously Dallas fired him. Chargers picked him up. Condolences to Justin Herbert, who I love, um, because I, I think Kellen Moore's offense was about as, I shouldn't say vanilla, but certainly as as predictable as you can get. Again, the if you watch a Cowboys game from the last couple of years, the curl routes, don't even get me started on, on the 10-yard curls. And there was no, there was no variation, there, there was no diversity in the offense, right? There was no unpredictability and even quarterback can give you that. And again, Mike McCarthy's talked about, Hey, we're going to give Dak a lot more freedom at the line of scrimmage. And that's often you hear other players around the league talk about Dak. Like what's his greatest strength? They're like, he's at, at the line of scrimmage getting in and out of place. Like he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league and doing that. So give him more freedom to do that. Um, and putting him in the best position, given his abilities to be successful, which Kellen really didn't do certainly when it mattered. So it's going to be, it's, I don't know really what to make of the Cowboys this year. Like there's a few teams where I'm like I, I don't really know what to do with this team. Uh, what's a um, Chicago? I don't really know what to do with Chicago. I like their pieces. I think Fields is gonna have a, pro a pretty good year three. The NFC, as Philip mentioned, is very weak. They're not as good. They're not good enough to win the division. I don't think. But it's sort of a. Hey, I've seen Justin Fields for two years. You've seen the improvement. And again, some of the 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 highlight plays have been again by necessity he's been running for his life so they improved the o line got Dar Darnell Wright from Tennessee more on Tennessee in just a second you got DJ Moore who obviously just a couple plays in took one to the house 
was it 60? Was it 63 yards? 60 something yards on the screen by Fields. I don't know. Like there, there's a few teams. Chicago's one of those teams that you're not really sure what to deal with. By the way, something, and I am such a nerd. I'm a nerd for a lot of things. I don't hide from it. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Disney World nerd. I don't apologize for that. I love Disney World. I'm not going to, nobody's going to tell me otherwise. Presidents. I'm so much of a presidential nerd that on a sports show a year and a half ago, I did a 10-part presidential podcast series with my man Isaac Loss. You could check it out now. It's on the YouTube channel. It's on a playlist. Um, I am a nerd for schedules. NFL schedules and even NBA schedules. NBA schedule comes out tomorrow. There's already been some leaks, and this happened last week, so I didn't get a chance to talk about it because I was off last week, but I loved – I think the NBA knocked it out of the park with their opening night schedule. Knocked it out of the park. Because we've had so much trash talk between the Lakers and the Nuggets. This weird rivalry that just sort of came out of nowhere. Denver, again, listen, I don't like the Lakers. I've been pretty vocal about that. I'm a Warriors fan for crying out loud. But this, the Lakers didn't even provoke Denver to say anything back. That's the thing. It wasn't a situation where the Lakers went in the Western Conference Finals. They're like, okay, we're about to knock Denver out of here. That's at least not the, not what I saw. Maybe some of that was because I was too busy licking my wounds from the Lakers Warriors series. But they go that series, and Mike Malone is just just going off on the Lakers night after night. Some players in Denver are, um, and so fitting enough, they're playing opening night at the Ball Arena. Nuggets getting their rings. Lakers obviously making making some moves in the offseason, bringing Austin Reeves back, uh, bringing Hachimura back, adding some new pieces. Cam Reddish, for example, uh, who I think is going to fit well there. That's a good opening night game in Denver to start the season. The champs against a team that is good enough to win the championship, the Lakers. And in the second game, you get my Warriors hosting the Suns. And finally, after four years, KD makes his return to Golden State in front of fans. Because obviously he played in Golden State for Brooklyn a couple of years ago, but there were no fans. It was in the middle of COVID. So, Packed house at the Chase Center. Katie's going to be playing. I imagine he's going to get a, a pretty big ovation. At least he should. Uh, I think I have the right to sit as a Dubs fan. Like uh, I'm going to be pretty rough on my on my, on my fan base if, if if we don't give Katie a standing ovation. Uh, but you got Phoenix with a, a weird offseason. Again, they still don't have a point guard. I maintain that. I don't see them in the same tier as Denver, Warriors, Lakers. But we'll see. Katie's great. Booker's great. They added some nice role players. Eric Gordon. Uh, once an Abe, nice again. They had some nice guys, but all in all, again, their last sort of semblance of a point guard campaign, they let him go. It's an odd, odd off season for Phoenix, and then they obviously had Bradley Beal. That's that was the that was the big fish, and keep DeAndre Aiden. But it's a good opening night, and then the Christmas Day schedule. I actually thought the NBA did solid. I know my Warriors are playing Denver, playing playing the champs in the Mile High. I think you got Lakers Celtics, the age old rivalry. Is it Sixers-Knicks? The Knicks always get the noon game, noon Eastern game on Christmas. I think they're playing the Sixers, I think. Milwaukee, I'm gonna, let me check the Christmas. I don't want to butcher this, okay? Because I actually let the NBA, because there's been some Christmas, and some argue, hey, what about Sacramento? That would have been fun. A Sacramento-Golden State Christmas game would have been a blast, given how that series went last year. So crazy, up and down. But... I think it's it's tough to put a team on Christmas that hasn't won a playoff series yet. They're up and coming. They're they're only going to get better from here. I love Mike Brown, but 
I don't know if they're established enough to be on Christmas. That was that was my only thing. So let me see NBA Christmas schedule because I remember some. I remember Lakers Warriors. I'm sorry, Lakers Celtics and Warriors Nuggets. Okay, a Bucks Knicks. I'm sorry, Bucks Knicks Sixers Heat and Mavs Suns were the other three. So you got and I don't know if this is in order, but Bucks Knicks. Sixers Heat, Celtics Lakers, Mavs Suns, Warriors Nuggets. There you go. That's Christmas schedule. And again, we're just getting more and more leaks, so we'll we'll see. We'll see. By the way, again, before I get into my Tennessee topic, I just want to say uh, I, I, we got some news yesterday uh, from the world of baseball. The Yankees lose. <laughs> It's never. I'm never gonna stop. Okay. I'm never gonna stop. I hate the Yankees. Okay. I saw something today in the world of college football. College football starts in two and a half weeks. Here we go. Let's let's do it. But the AP came out with their initial top twenty-five list. And simply put, it was a disgrace to the Big Orange. In this order, starting at number one. And by the way, I think the AP nailed the top two. Put some teams higher than I would have, some teams lower than I would, but that's fine. It's when you get to 12 where the problem is. In this order, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, LSU, USC, Penn State, Florida State, Clemson, Washington, Texas. And at 12th, they have the Tennessee Volunteers. My Vols who went... 10-2 and two last year, has wins over Alabama, a dominant win on the road in Baton Rouge. I think the final, was the final score 40-13? to 13? I think it was. Dominated LSU. It went over Pittsburgh on the road, by the way. Pittsburgh, you know, was a ranked team at the time. Beat Clemson pretty decisively. By the way, Clemson ranked ninth in the Orange Bowl. You bring back a lot of starters defensively. Offensively, you have a slew of pieces. You bring back your backfield with Jabari Small and, uh, shoot, what's the other kid's name? Uh, uh, oh, my gosh, number 20. Uh, 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 Wright. You bring out Small and Wright. You bring a Joe Milton, who's probably got the biggest arm in college football. You pair him with Ramel Keaton, with Jacob Warren, who's an excellent tight end, with Squirrel White, who's going to have a massive year in the SEC. You have the, is it the Thornton kid? Is Thornton is his name that they just, uh, the, the, uh, who transferred from Oregon to Tennessee, who's a skill position playmaker? I don't know. Is it nuts to say that in the SEC, which we all know is, as I've recently dubbed it, NFL minor leagues or minor league NFL, the SEC is? Again, I'm Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama. I, I have a little bit of a problem with that. LSU. USC, I can live with all those. I'm fine with all those being ranked above Tennessee. But I think returning a bunch of defensive starters, having a slew of offensive talent with one of the brilliant offensive minds in college football should warrant a higher ranking than Penn State, Florida State, Clemson, who they literally just beat, and certainly Washington. Not a knock against any of these schools. I think Florida State's going to win the ACC over Clemson. I really do. I think Florida State is legit this year. Got a great coaching staff. Penn State, James Franklin, one of the better coaches. I'll tell you, the one that really rubbed me the wrong way was Texas. It, we do this. Texas is a, kind of, it's funny, same state, 
they have they're sort of the Dallas Cowboys of college football. I would say almost to a greater degree because Dallas at least they get to the playoffs. They'll win the occasional playoff game. Texas, oh my god, every year Texas is back. If I have a had if I had a dime for every time I had to hear that phrase, and then they'll lose in the Red River rivalry to Oklahoma, or they'll lose to Texas Tech. I mean, Texas's best moment last year, and I'm not kidding when I say this. Longhorn fans, you can get mad at me all you want. Knock yourself out. Texas's best moment last year was in a loss. One of the better losses of the season. But they lost the game. Week two, Alabama. In fairness, they lost their starting quarterback. Quinn Ewers, backup played uh, solid enough. But Bryce Young did Bryce Young things, led Alabama into field goal range, and they won the game. It was an electric atmosphere in Austin. But... Could Texas at any Texas has a tremendous I think outside of B. John Robinson, if I'm not mistaken, I think they have all of their offense coming back. So the continuity is there. Sark has proven himself to be a solid offensive mind. But every year with Texas, again, I, I they're the most talented team in the Big 12. There's no question about that. But this ever I mean, are we gonna get three, four, five weeks in the season and then they suffer? a loss to a clearly less talented football team. We're like, ah, oh, Texas being Texas again. Going to have to find a new coach, and that quarterback doesn't work. Now, the future of Texas with Arch Manning? Hey, I think Arch is going to be spectacular. But Arch isn't the guy today. Quinn Ewers is. And Quinn Ewers has shown an improvement in maturity to his credit over the offseason, taking better care of his body. Thank God, shaving the mullet. I want it to be known I hate mullets. Don't judge if you have them. I just don't like mullets. But... You know, he t- takes care of himself in the offseason. I think Quinn Ewers going to have a solid year. I don't think Texas could be bad by any stretch of the imagination. But could I please have a a, a legitimate excuse for them be- being ranked above Tennessee? Who has nothing. Again, for Texas, again, a little bit of Dallas Cowboys there. It's like, let's see him do it. Let's see if Texas is back. They don't have to make the college football playoff. Could they make a New Year's Six Bowl? Is that too much to ask in a big, in a big 12 that is certainly in shambles with with you know some of the conference realignment, but just in general, kind of in shambles. By the way, for those that were wondering, just to give love to the other teams, after Tennessee from 13 to 25, it's Notre Dame, it's your, your team, John John, Utah, Oregon, Kansas State, TCU, a little low for TCU. They just made the national championship game. Oregon State, Wisconsin, Oklahoma, way too high. North Carolina, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Tulane, Iowa. There were also teams, Texas Tech got some love. I think South Carolina should have been the top 25. I think South Carolina... Could be, they're not going to win the SEC East, but maybe some of it is the 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 scars I still have from them beating us in uh, in South Carolina last year and ending our college football playoff hopes and Hinton Hooker going down that game. I don't know. It, it's Tennessee finished the year ranked sixth, and again, some of that you lose starters to the NFL, you lose Hinton Hooker, Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, uh, Darnell Wright, who's the best player, best prospect certainly on that team. Byron Young, I understand that but return numerous defensive starters. So the continuity's there. And offensively, Josh Heupel, the first two years of his coaching career in Tennessee, has shown plug almost anybody in there with speed and skill. They're going to work. This is the same offense. There's many of the pieces that were on that offense that dropped 50 on a Nick Saban defense. That should count for something, I would think. Alabama again at four. I don't think Bama's better than Tennessee. I'm sorry. Who's their quarterback? Is it is it the Milrow kid who started for him last year? Now, quarterbacks can get better. We saw Joe Burrow, who was 
fine in 2018 and then was, good Lord, he's the best quarterback in college football. Had the greatest college football season ever by a quarterback in 2019. Quarterbacks can get better, and certainly you're not in a much better situation to do that than in Alabama. But again, I see question mark, question mark, question mark for some of these teams above Tennessee. Where's Tennessee? There's a sense of certainty there. Continuity defensively, numerous playmakers offensively, and a quarterback that you worried about accuracy early in his career at Tennessee. He was money against Clemson, one of the best defenses in college football. I don't know. I, I saw I saw that list, and I, I I was thinking before I looked at the list, I'm like, I think Tennessee's gonna be seven, eight. I think it's fair. I say twelfth. I'm like, I, I don't get, I don't get the argument for that. I really don't. I'm sorry. I don't buy into Bama in the West. LSU is going to win the West. Georgia is going to win the East. I think. I think Tennessee is going to get the college football playoff. Honest to God, eleven and one, a loss to Georgia in the college football playoff. So I think it'll be Georgia in no particular order. Georgia, Tennessee, Michigan, USC. That's who's in the college football playoff this year. That's who gets in. By the way, don't don't sleep on Utah. Utah, we, we talked. Utah almost got in a few years ago, and then they lost to Justin Herbert in the Pac-12 title game. So there you go. But I, I saw Tennessee at 12, and that genuinely is a, is a vol for life. That that made me mad. That, I, I, I didn't like that. Last story of the day, last topic of the day. Again, props to everybody for, appreciate everybody showing up uh, for today's show. Love you guys. And by the way, as well, before we get into our last topic, just want to use this as a moment to advertise tomorrow night's show on the Grid Network, the 8 o'clock spot, episode 3. Again, the 8 o'clock spot, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific time on the Grid Network tomorrow night. I'm the moderator. We have a slew of, 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 of guests hoping to have a show tomorrow. Uh, we've had, again, it's like a game show. Think of it as sort of like our, our spinoff of Around the Horn, where you have an accumulation of points. Over the course of, again, the end of our eight, first 8 o'clock spot season will be next year's NBA Finals. So we'll have numerous contestants who will accumulate points throughout the course of the season. And obviously the point top point getter will be the winner. Like it's it's a fun game show. It's about a little over a half hour long, something like that. It's not a crazy long show. It's it's We get into a topic, discuss the topic, go from panelist to panelist, and we have some fun. There's no question. It, it's been thus far... We've gotten incredible feedback thus far. Please tune in. 8 o'clock spot tomorrow night, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific time, right here on the Grit Network's YouTube channel and on Twitter. Definitely check that out. Great guys over there uh, and a great show uh, that we are very, very excited to continue to, to build on and to improve. Last topic of the day, the late and certainly great Kobe Bean Bryant will be getting a statue at the crypto.com arena in Los Angeles. And not only will it be Kobe, but included in the statue will be his late daughter, Gianna Bryant. She will be in that statue as well, which is fitting and props to the Lakers for, for, for doing this. The date is going to be, if I'm not mistaken, Mamba day, 2024, which really includes not just Kobe, but Gigi as well. So you know, Mamba day is 824 because Kobe Bryant wore eight for the first half of his career, 24 for the second half. But the 2024 as well, I thought about how you have the 24 with Kobe, but you also have the first digit two, which is the number Gigi uh, wore for the Mamba Academy. So Kobe and Gigi getting a statue, much, 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 much deserved at, uh, I almost called it Staples, at the Crypt. Kareem's got a statue there. Shaq's got a statue and, and Magic. So many of the Laker greats have statues there. And certainly uh, Kobe is, is, this goes without saying, more than deserving of that. Uh, and I love that Gigi will be included as well. Um, but it got me to thinking about this. Um, 
We just had some breaking news in the NFL. I'll get to that in about five minutes. I'll get to it in five minutes. But just what I respect Kobe, I respect the segment. I was thinking about athletes currently in, in American sports, American team sports that have done enough that if they retire today, deserve a statue. And I, like I talked about to open the show, I think it's four people. That's it. Two in the NFL, two in the NBA. I don't think, with all due respect to a guy who's retiring this year, M- Mickey Cabrera, I don't think he's a statue guy. No World Series title certainly is, is put together as a Im- impressive an offensive resume as you as you could possibly have. He was incredible in Miami winning a, a World Series title there. Um, I don't think he's statue worthy though. And again, by the way, this is include this is athletes currently playing, so not Brady. I think JJ Watt should get a statue in Houston. Not those guys. Like they they just retired, so they don't count. Four guys currently playing that I would give a statue to. First one would be Patrick Mahomes. You say, whoa, wait a second. Just a couple of years, just a few years in? Yes. Two Super Bowls, two Super Bowl MVPs, two NFL MVPs. Again, the worst season for Mahomes is a loss at home in the AFC title game. That that That's it. Mahomes is, I've already said Mahomes is the fourth greatest quarterback of all time. I didn't say best. He might be the best quarterback. Again, if we're talking best and greatest, those are two different arguments. Best is just who's better, who's more skilled, who's more talented. Greatest, like Aaron Rodgers, was better than Tom Brady. In terms of greatness, it's not even a contest. Greatness, as I mentioned, is all about moments. It's all about impact. It's all about, uh, you know, like Steph Curry, part of his, a huge part of his legacy is how he literally changed how a sport is played coached and analyzed as I said two years ago when he broke the three-point record like that is it that 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 doesn't just happen so Mahomes is not I would I don't know if he's changed the quarterback position it's a little too early to tell that yet but there's three quarterbacks in NFL history that they are that I think are greater than him Brady Montana Manning that's it I take him over every quarter Marino Elway uh, Rogers Breeze Unitas Staubach Bratch all of them he's that great had the greatest five-year stretch of any player in the history of the NFL. If he retired today, you, you bet your dollar he's getting a statue in Air, in front of Arrowhead Stadium. There's no question about it. The second NFL player I decided to do, I thought back and forth about this one, but I was like, you know what? He should, for a little bit of a different reason other than his apparent greatness, Aaron Donald. I decided to say Aaron Donald because obviously, again, his greatness speaks for itself uh, in terms of three defensive player of the years, um, being clearly the best defensive player in all of football for the last decade. And I think the third greatest defensive player of all time to LT and Prime. But also, too, remember, the Rams play at SoFi Stadium, the beautiful, still fairly new stadium in Inglewood. The Rams won a Super Bowl there. And Aaron Donald, who I thought should have been Super Bowl MVP over Cooper Cup, personally, uh, no disrespect to my twin, love Cooper Cup, hope he gets better soon, man. Okay, you gotta gotta show up and show out for me this season. But I think Aaron Donald should have gotten Super Bowl MVP, and I think he should get a statue. He single-handedly in the second half of that game took over the Super Bowl. He's been man's been an MVP discussion. He's been that great. That's unheard of for that's unheard of for defensive players. MVP hasn't been won by a defensive player since I think the 80s with LT. I would give Aaron Donald a statue in LA. He's been that great, that impactful. He was there with the Rams in St. Louis through the lean years when they were terrible, when they were 7-9, 7-9 every year. So I put Aaron Donald in that class. 
in the NBA, and there's plenty of guys that I think will eventually get to this stage. To me, it's only two guys, clearly. Steph, I, I think that's that, again, goes without saying he's clearly the greatest warrior of all time. Uh, he is, uh, again, changed the way the game is played. Coach and analyzed four championships, two MVPs, only unanimous MVP of all time, uh, has one of the greatest playoff resumes that we've seen in recent memory, uh, and has been, if not for LeBron James, the greatest player of the last decade. No question about it. And the last one is LeBron. Again, the, the, that's that's sort of, he's going to get a statue in Cleveland. That's a foregone conclusion. There's been debate, hey, does he get a statue in LA? Well, he did win a title there in a COVID season in the year in which Kobe Bryant and uh, the eight others tragically passed in that uh, helicopter crash. So turmoil in Laker uh in Laker Nation, pandemic, bubble, year 18, you know, a physically unreliable, historically Anthony Davis, and he carries them to a title. I shouldn't say carries them. Leads them to a title. Wins finals MVP. You could argue he deserves a statue in LA. Maybe Miami, potentially as well. Those are the four. I think those are the four stat- athletes currently playing in the in the major American sports, uh, not including hockey, I don't watch hockey, so I don't know. Uh, but NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, those are the four: Mahomes, Donald, Steph, and LeBron. That that to me is where the list ends. I, I think when you're talking statues, one thing to get your number retired. It's another thing to get to be immortalized in front of the stadium in which your team plays in. That's a different ball game. Before we get out of here, because this just came in, and I will give the honor to John Rivera in the comments here, Cook to the Jets. Dalvin Cook has just signed a one-year uh, 8.6, worth up to $8.6 million deal with the New York Jets. Again, this felt like sort of a foregone conclusion for a long time, kind of similar to how the Aaron Rodgers deal did as well, how we were just hearing for weeks and weeks, you know, Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. It's like, okay, it's going to happen. Could we just... Make it happen. Again, kind of similar to Damian Lillard and the Heat. Could we just get a deal done at some point? But listen, I like the deal. They get him on the cheap. He that That's a heck of a running back tandem with Brees Hall, with Dalvin Cook. It's an opportunity to take a little bit of the load off of a quarterback in Aaron Rodgers who's going to be 40 this year. Again, my concern with the Jets this year is, A, they play in a pretty tough division with Miami, with Buffalo. New England's going to be a mess this year. That's neither here nor there. There's a lot of concerns with the Jets' offensive line coming out of training camp, given how they've looked thus far. They haven't looked awful in the preseason, but they haven't looked great either. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, there was a report that said he was getting kind of frustrated at practice with the lack of protection. you got to realize Aaron was so used to some of the best offensive lines in football back in Green Bay. But listen, it's it's a guy to take the load off Aaron Rodgers' shoulder. They get him on a reasonable contract. I like it. It's a one-year deal. It's nothing crazy. They didn't sign him to a, a three-year contract paying 30 million. No, no, no. One-year deal, 8.6. Go on and all in this year. You assume Aaron, who is implied, we know how slick Aaron can be, that he's coming back next year. And you'll see what you do with Dalvin Cook at that point. He feels, you know what he feels like to me? He feels like a Leonard Fournette to a certain extent uh, for when, when Leonard was, was with Tampa Bay, where you had Ronald Jones, who was a capable back. Like you have Brees Hall, which Again, we're only he didn't even finish his first year of his of his career because of the ACL tear. So, but he looked good to start. So you assume Brees Hall comes back healthy, ready to go. You kind of I I think Dalvin Cook's the type of dude. Again, he he's not the type of physical back like Fournette is, but he's also maybe put him on a little bit of a pitch count. 
and then have him fresh and ready to go for the playoffs. So I like the deal for the Jets. I do. It's a good deal. Two, two of the best free agent running backs were signed today. Zeke to New England, which I think doesn't make the Patriots better. One iota, and I love Zeke as a human being, but I don't think that New England's already, for lack of a better term, lacking dynamic playmakers offensively. I don't think Zeke put them that much closer to that. But the Jets, for the Jets, signing Dalvin Cook, I like it. I think it works. Again, he was at Jets training camp. Was it a week ago, two weeks ago? So it, it felt like this was going to happen after a while. So I like the deal for the Jets. I do. So with that, that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by as always. Be sure to catch Carving It Up Live on Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time right here on the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel and on Twitter. And be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. It helps the channel grow exponentially. And be sure to go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network right here on YouTube, as well as any and everywhere you get your podcast, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any and everywhere that you get your podcast. Last thing before we get out of here, also check out the 8 o'clock spot tomorrow night. Once again, on the Grid Network YouTube channel and on the Grid Network's Twitter account or X account, whatever the heck it's called, I'm still calling it Twitter, can't, you can't force me out of this, Elon. Point is, 8 o'clock spot tomorrow, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific time. It's your weekly game show in the world of sports. You're going to love it. If you haven't seen it, you're missing out. Tune in, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific time. If you haven't seen the first two episodes, go in and tune in. They were great. First episode was excellent. Second episode was a lot of fun as well. Go check it out. Our last couple of champions. Actually, I won't spoil it if you haven't seen it yet because I think you have the right to see it for yourself on the grid network have a great week everybody please continue to stay safe please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health and please 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 contact your local state representative or senator and or senator to demand change for gun violence in america we've got to fix this problem we've got to fix it we've got to fix it please contact your local uh state uh representatives and senators to demand change for this horrible problem also by the way prayers up for Maui dealing with this horrible damage from uh from from the uh for the fire there just praying for those people we can get them the proper support and help them build uh build back what is just a, a horrible situation prayers to those who have lost loved ones and uh man just continue to have our hearts with um with Maui Maui no question about it and definitely definitely going to be thanking and praying for them have a great week y'all see you on Thursday please be safe out there god bless you all peace out you still know the Steelers are going to the playoffs, so how about Pickett and Pickens? Man! Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube, and be sure to go click that big red subscribe button and check out the other clips and full shows from Carving It Up Live as well as our other incredible content creators here on the Grid Network.